Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. see all of you here. Appreciate you coming out today for our worship service. We're in a a sermon series called What God Wants to Do for You. And we're looking at the names of God uh, in the Old Testament where God reveals himself to us. God's names reveal his character and they reveal how he interacts with us. Uh, God's names tell us what God wants to do for us. Uh, On week one of the series, Pastor Ryland looked at the name Jehovah Shammah. Uh, Jehovah Shammah means that uh, the God who is there. And it's the fact that God is always there for us. God's presence is always with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And and that gives us hope. We have hope in God's presence. Uh, Last week, we looked at the name El Shaddai, which means uh, God is my strength or the almighty God. And God offers us his power. We, we can't live the Christian life in our own strength. We just can't do it. We have to have God's power, God's strength, in order to live the life that God calls us to live. And God offers us his strength. He, uh, we know that from his name. And so uh, the hope for need, the hope for strength, we talked about those the first couple of weeks. Uh, next weekend uh, is International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And uh, we're going to look at the name of God that helps us when, our, uh, when we face opposition to our faith. And, uh, and I want to encourage all of you, I'd even encourage those of you who, who watch online, uh, to attend church in person next week. We have the great privilege of gathering freely, openly, safely, comfortably uh, to worship. And many of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world do not have that benefit. And when you talk to them, they they encourage us to use that freedom. Uh, In fact, the fact that we can do that encourages them. And so I just would encourage you next week as we pray for the persecuted church, exercise the opportunity that you have to come and gather uh, here in person. And and that's, that's next weekend. This weekend... We're looking at the need that we have for change. Uh, we have within us the desire to grow, to mature, to improve, to change. I mean, do you ever wish you could be more patient? Do you ever wish that you would worry less about your circumstances and problems? Uh, would, you, would you like to have better control over your decisions and your responses? Uh, we, we have the need to change. And God reveals in his name, Jehovah Mkadesh, that I am the God, excuse me, I am the God who sanctifies you. Uh, No matter where you are in your process of spiritual growth, God wants to be Jehovah Mkadesh in your life. He wants to sanctify you. He wants to change you. Now, if you're already a Christian, God is at work changing your life. If you're not yet a Christian, you don't have to change your life before you come to God. Sometimes people think, oh, I've got to make all these changes in my life before I'm good enough to come to God. 
That's not how it works. God says, you come to me, I'll help you make the changes. And so you come, just like you are, and then God begins the change process. Now that process and promise is found in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Notice, old life, new life. And the old life is referring to life without a relationship with Jesus Christ. The new life refers to a life that we have with a new supernatural relationship with Jesus Christ. It's when we go from just being God's creation to becoming God's child. And you go, you go from being a seeker to being someone who is saved. We are born again. A new life has begun. Uh, the Apostle Paul describes this well in Philippians 3. He says, I don't mean to say I am perfect. I haven't learned all I should even yet. But I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. Uh, this is not about perfection. It's about working every day toward the goal of what Christ saved us for and what he wants us to be. It's, it's the promise and the process of sanctification in our life. Uh, Paul goes on. He says, no, dear brothers, I am still not all I should be, but I am bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God is calling us up to heaven because of what Christ Jesus did for us. So in this new life, we're in a new race. We're, we have a new journey where God is changing us. Listen, the, the devil wants you to stay just the way you are. The devil wants you to be stuck in your sin. God wants you to continue to grow in Christ. God wants to take your discontent and change it into joy. God wants to take your insecurity and change it into peace. He wants to take your bitterness and turn it to forgiveness. He wants to change your lust into genuine love. He wants to change our mean streak into kindness. He wants to change our anger into gentleness. How does God change us? How does this change process happen in our lives? There are two extreme thoughts about this, neither of which are biblical. And one extreme is that the change that takes place is all done by God. All I got to do is just kick back and let God do his work. And, and, and if I don't change, if I'm not transformed, well, then that's just God's will or God's fault. Okay? Another extreme says that, yes, God saves me, but then it's all up to me to grow and to change. I've got to work and do and transform my behavior and change my personality. If it's to be, it's up to me. You know, so I've got to work, 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 do, do, do. The biblical teaching on sanctification is that there is a God part and there's our part. And God's part is his power and our part is our cooperation. We cooperate with God in this process of change. So today I want to lay out for you a roadmap for change. 
Uh, I want to give you five ways that you can cooperate with God's process of change in your life. And so first one, on your notes, you need to recognize that your spiritual life is a journey. Spiritual life is not growth, is not an event, it is a process. It's a journey. It's not an overnight transformation. Philippians 1.6, and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So notice, God began that good work. That's salvation. It begins when you say yes to Jesus Christ. Christ, come into my life, forgive me of my sins, give me that new life that you offer to people who trust in you, and boom, you are saved. And your journey of sanctification has begun. And then notice the words continue his work. That's sanctification. That's the lifelong process of growing in Christ. It's your spiritual journey of transformation and life change. And then notice the words, finally finished. It's finally finished on the day that Christ returns. There will come a day when God's transformation of you will be complete. In heaven, we will be like Christ. We will be all that God wants us to be. And so it begins with salvation, continues with sanctification, and ends in glorification. It's a journey. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. There's an ultimate destination. But for now, we're on a journey. Colossians 2.6 And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. It's a spiritual journey. Have you ever been on a road trip with children? Okay. You know, everybody is excited about the trip. You pile into the car, 20 minutes down the road, the kids are saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? That question is a sign of impatience. And impatience is a sign of immaturity. Okay? Not being judgmental of the kids, I'm just telling you the fact. They, honestly, kids don't have the wisdom, they don't have the perspective, they don't have the worldview to wrap their minds around the magnitude of the journey. And sometimes we struggle with that as Christians. We want to change, we want to improve, we want victory over our sin, but we get impatient with the process because we don't have the wisdom, the perspective, and the worldview to grasp the magnitude of the journey. And sometimes, even as believers, even as adults, we get impatient and we bail out on the journey. We jump ship on the process. Uh, many Christians walk away from the church, they walk away from God because of that immature question, are we there yet? I'm still struggling with this, I give up. We are an instant gratification society. We want what we want when we want it and we want it now. And you can see that if you watch at a vending machine. You put the money in, if that bag of chips does not fall in 2.2 seconds, bam, 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 come on, drop! You see it at an elevator. People step up and they push the button 15 times. 
like the elevators in the basement thinking, oh, that guy on the eighth floor is really in a hurry. I better scoot past the other seven floors and go pick him up. No, we, we, we want it quickly. We don't have the patience that we need. We don't have the perspective, God's perspective on time. God is not in a hurry to change us. He's got a lifetime to complete this process. Now, here's the good news about sanctification being a journey. Is, no, we're not there yet. But also, God's not done with you yet. And some of you, you, you may look at your spouse and think, if this is as good as it gets, we're in trouble. But the truth is, it's, the change isn't over yet. There's still time. It's not as good as it gets. God is still working on each one of us. It's a journey. Don't get impatient. Don't give up. Cooperate with God and let him do his work. Number two, I cooperate uh, when we set our sights on the final destination. If you want to cooperate with God's change, you set your sights on the final destination. Uh, for a number of years, uh, I had the privilege of training pastors internationally. And I have trained hundreds of pastors in India, Nepal, and the Philippines. I've, I've been to India and the Philippines uh, over 26 times. And I've literally flown around the world uh, more than a dozen times. And I remember in one of the early trips, I went to the airport, uh, KCI, stepped up to the ticket counter, and the ticket agent pulled up my itinerary. Kansas City to Newark, Newark to Delhi, Delhi to Lucknow, Lucknow to Varanasi, Varanasi back to Delhi, Delhi to Hong Kong, Hong Kong to Manila, Manila back to Hong Kong, Hong Kong to L.A., L.A. to Kansas City. And I remember she pulled that up and she goes, wow, you've got a lot of flights. And I said, I booked flights until I got back home. Okay. That's how many flights you want until you get back home. You know, if a journey doesn't get you to the destination, it's not a successful journey. And so we've got this marvelous verse here in, in 1 John 3, 2. Uh, it's our destination verse. It says, we know that when Christ comes again, we will be like him because we will see him as he really is. That's our final destination, to be like Christ. And it's not a new destination. From the very start, it's been God's plan to make mankind in his image. In, in Genesis, when God made mankind, he said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. But mankind rebelled. Uh, we rebelled against that plan. We sinned. We, we fell. And, and so God had to bring about a plan of salvation through Jesus Christ that could get us back onto uh, that plan. But from the very start, God said, I want mankind to be like me. Not to be me, but to be like me. Not to be God, not even to be a God, but to be godly. I become like him. And when we see Christ in his full glory, we will instantly be changed and the process will be completed. But for now, we don't see him face to face. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed 
into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. So right now, we don't see Christ face to face. What we see is we see his reflection in a mirror. I love how the, the, the King James Version says that we see through a glass darkly. We can't see these things real clearly, but we can see Christ's reflection in the mirror, and the mirror is the Word of God. And so as we, we study his word, as we read about his life, as we see what he is like, as I see his reflection in the word, I'm being changed from one degree of spiritual maturity to another, from glory to glory. I am becoming less like me, and I am becoming more like Christ. And I can't tell you how happy I am about that. Because, folks, I am really tired of me I really am and I long to become like Christ and sometimes we look at an area where we need to improve or change we have a fault a shortcoming a bad habit a weakness an area of temptation and we say that's just the way I am that's the way God made me and God says yes I know that's the way you are I know that's the way you showed up here, but that's not the way I want you to stay. God says, I want you to change and grow and become like Christ. I want you to be saved, sanctified, and glorified. And so the destination, the goal is, is to submit your life to the author of this book, to humbly rearrange your life, your marriage, your parenting, your finances, the way you live, you rearrange it all around God's Word so that you become less like you and more like Christ. That's the goal. That's the destination. And it's a worthwhile pursuit. And so, we, yeah, we get frustrated. Are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. But we can make progress every day as we cooperate with God. Number three, another way we cooperate is we ask God to help remove your roadblocks. Your roadblocks. Roadblocks are areas of our life that hinder our progress. Roadblocks slow us down. They deter our growth. And many roadblocks are hidden or hard to see, but they're still very, very real. And a common problem with roadblocks is that we deny that they exist. Rather than deal with them, we deny them, we discount them, and we delay. Oh, it's not that big a deal. Not that big a deal. I'm not as bad as that person over there. I, I can take care of this later. But the Bible's clear that we can't deny, discount, or delay the roadblocks. We've got to deal with them. We have to discard them as we, dis as we identify them. God has promised to be with us. Jehovah Shammah. God has promised to give us his power, El Shaddai. And God has promised to change us. Jehovah M. Kadesh. 2 Corinthians 7 1 says, Therefore, since we have these promises, God's presence, God's power, God's sanctification, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Now, circle the phrase, everything that contaminates. So what are, the, what, what are the everythings that contaminate your character? 
Have you ever made a list of the roadblocks in your life? Have you ever taken, we call it around here, a spiritual inventory? And I've done it. I would encourage you to do it. And I'll tell you, it's not a pretty sight. It can be a pretty ugly list. But it is necessary for you to identify the roadblocks if you're going to deal with them. And you may think, right now there may be a roadblock that immediately comes to mind that is stunting your spiritual growth. And you need to name it, identify it. What is it? Is it pride, gluttony, lust, overspending, anger, too controlling, stealing, having an affair? What's the roadblock in your life? And then you need to ask the question, do you want to get past that roadblock? Do you want to get well? Because that's what God wants for you. And it's what God offers to do for you when he reveals himself through his names. You do not have to stay stuck. You can break through. Ephesians 4.22 Throw off your old evil nature. The old you that was a partner in your evil ways, rotten through and through, full of lust and shame. You know, I'll talk to people about their problems and they'll say, yeah, I know, I know, it's killing me. It's rotten through and through. But sometimes it gets so enmeshed into your life so deeply and the truth is you can't handle that problem on your own you are powerless to deal with it unless God helps you and so that's the asking God part God I need a miracle I need to ask for a supernatural intervention by a sovereign God to remove that roadblock from my life because I recognize I can't do it on my own I got to have God's help now, sadly, some of us are going to go to the grave stopped at a roadblock. We're going, to, we're going to fall for Satan's lie, that's just the way I am. Unless you are willing to humble yourself and say, God, I can't do it on my own. You are my only hope. And you begin to rely on God's power and you cooperate with God's sanctification. Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. So what roadblock are you concealing? What roadblock are you denying? What roadblock are you trying to remove on your own? The Bible says it does not prosper. It doesn't work to do that. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Do you want God's mercy in an area of your life that you can't control? Humble yourself and ask God for help. I'll tell you, it's a crucial turning point in the process of sanctification when you do that. Number four, if I'm going to cooperate in the sanctification process, I must learn how to refuel. Sanctification is a daily process that happens over a lifetime. It's a journey, and you don't want to run out of gas on this trip. So you have to learn how to refuel. And I need to be refueled every day. I need to be topped off by the Creator. Uh, Psalm 23.3 says, He renews my strength. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to His name. Notice, we keep coming back to God's name. Why is His name so important? Because His names reveal his character, his presence, his power, 
his process of sanctification. And I need to be refueled. I need to have my strength renewed. I need to stay connected, stay plugged into the power source. And we talked about that last week. But how do you do it? Well, for one thing, it's doing what you've already done. It's coming here for worship, participating in a worship service. I, I tell you, coming to worship here is so empowering. For me, this time of worship is healing. It is healing for me to come here and to worship with you guys in this building. It is rejuvenating. It's invigorating. There is just something about being here with you in God's presence. I got to have it every week. I got to have it every week. But that's not enough. I've got to learn to get refueled on my own throughout the week. And one of the things that we teach in step two of Growth Track is how to refuel daily. And if you've never taken step two in Growth Track, I, I would just ask you, is your pastor who loves you, would you take it? I mean, if you haven't been through Growth Track, please, would you do it? Oh, people say, I'm just so busy. I know you're busy. I, I, I know you're busy. I'm busy, you're busy, all God's children are busy. But, you know, your, your schedule's not going to slow down until you're dead. And then I've noticed it slows way down, okay? <laughs> but until then, the Bible says you're going to be busy. And you, you need to be busy about the right things. And... And one of the things that you need to learn is how to refuel. And we teach you that in step two of Growth Track. Now, here's what refueling uh, will bring into your life. I, I love this verse. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. You're not lacking anything. To live the life that God wants you to live. He's already given it to you. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. God's promises. You claim what's in his name. Whole point of this series. And then Peter goes on and he describes the process of sanctification. He says, supplement your faith. Your faith, that's, that's the moment of salvation when you put your faith and trust in Christ. And you supplement that faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. It's a process of change that is expressed in the context of community. Okay? Sanctification happens in relationship with God and in relationship with other people. And that's why we encourage you to be involved in corporate worship. That's why we encourage you to get plugged into a small group so that you have those relationships that you need in order for you to work the sanctification process that God wants to work in your life. Because you are never more like Jesus Christ than when you are expressing love to other people. Another way I cooperate uh, with God's sanctification process. Number five, I need to pause along the way to celebrate the progress. 
Yes, it's important to keep your focus on the destination. But sometimes it's encouraging to look back and see how far you've come. You pause and you celebrate what God has done in your life. Yes, you've still got roadblocks to remove. Yes, you've still got uh, ways to go on your journey. But look how far you've come. And I, I know I'm not yet the man God wants me to be. But I'm not the man I was. And I thank God for that. I celebrate that wonderful truth. Psalm 40, 50. Oh Lord my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. Your plans are too numerous to list. I could never recite all your deeds. You know what? I'd encourage you to give it a shot. Just give it a try. Just make a list of all the great things that God has done in your life. And just see how much that encourages you and how much it honors God. You know, I talked earlier about making a list of your roadblocks. You make a spiritual inventory. I'd also encourage you to make a list of your progress. Just look back over your life and celebrate the changes that God has made. You know, somebody cuts you off in traffic, you give them the peace sign. Two years ago, you would have held up one finger. Okay? You celebrate that change in your life. You know, you go two weeks without doing greedy things, throw a party and celebrate. You know, you, you're an overspender and you live on a budget for a month, throw a party, a cheap, inexpensive party. Okay? You know, when, when you didn't do something that, that you used to do that you're ashamed of, Thank God for your progress. Celebrate the goodness and greatness of God in helping you turn your life around. So where are you in this journey of spiritual growth? And I can tell you that some of you can walk out of here today with a big smile on your face. You truly can because God has done some incredible things in your life. Your life has been changed and it's been changed dramatically and you need to smile and celebrate what God has done. Now some of you need to recognize that this is a lifetime journey and it's a road map, a road with ups and downs. And you may be going through a down right now. You're down, 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 dooby-doo, down, down. But I just want to tell you, don't let the downs keep you down. Just keep moving. And recognize that as you, as you keep moving, God's at work in your life. Open your heart, your life to His forgiveness and grace. Don't give up on the process. Some of you, you're, you're stalled in front of a roadblock. And you, you need to say, God, would you help me with this? I admit, I'm powerless to change without your power. Help me. I don't want to stay the way I am. I want to be the way you want me to be. Now some of you, you haven't even started the journey yet. You haven't given your heart and life to Jesus Christ yet. And I just would encourage you today to just jump into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Just say, God, I, I want this kind of change. I want you to do a work in my life. Come into my life Forgive me of my sins and give me the new life. Make me the new creation that you want to do, that you promise to do for people who trust in you. 
and God will begin to change your life. I, I love this verse in Ezekiel 20, uh, 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your stubborn hearts and give you obedient hearts. That's what God wants to do for you. Cooperate with him, and he'll do it. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the work that you do in each of our lives. And I thank you that we have the hope of being different people, even as we leave here today. Uh, we have a need to change, to grow, to be transformed. God, change our hard hearts that say, that's just the way I am. And God, give us obedient hearts that humbly submit to the changes that you want to make. Your will for us, your destination for us is to become like Jesus Christ. And so do your work in us that we might be different people, even as we leave today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.